the Wolfenstein music? No, let's not go there. Maybe some sort of pro wrestling music? Nah, let's not try that. At least tonight. I mean, it's been two months. Hey James, what's, what's today's date? September 14th. September 14th. September. I got an idea. expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. So just coming in tonight, uh, I just showed this to you, right, James? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just showed you this little um, video. Okay, quick story. A quick story. About, I think, two years ago, uh, in some circles, there was this video, this um, YouTube, vi- uh, this video that was on YouTube that went viral. It was of three women playing Smooth Criminal by, um, a cover of Smooth Criminal by Michael Jackson. Oh, I remember that one. You heard yeah, about yeah, it? Yeah, no, I saw one. that one. Yeah, you know I about remember one. that one. It's the same that. series. So that went yeah. viral. It was it was like a woman playing a shakuhachi and then two other women playing a kodo and uh, essentially the um, the bass equivalent of the kodo. I forgot the exact name of the instrument. And I know that video went viral, but what I don't, what people may not know about that is that is one video of a series of videos put out by NHK World. It's part of a series called um, called Blends, basically covers of famous of popular songs of famous songs through you know pop songs throughout history throughout recent history performed on traditional Japanese instruments and. One and my personal favorite one in that series was a cover of September, which we which we played, which we just played a little bit of, and it isn't necessarily. It's partly because it's what well, one. It does sound pretty pretty good. I'm sure you you we I showed yeah. it to you just now. Yeah, no, no. It's like once you get into it, it's like oh wow, that's pretty that's good. Like, but yeah. no, yeah, I saw the other one, and I'm sure the others are just like it. It must be very impressive to get that but out of those sometimes instruments. Hit, sometimes it's in hit and miss, but you enjoy just seeing the interpretation anyway, mm-hmm. right? Just like uh, watching a, just like watching um, uh, a manga getting adapted into an anime, or watching an acoustic version or, or a different watching, version, yeah, just of different a genre, right? Of yeah, the same music song. or mm-hmm. uh, or anything really, anything artistic especially if it's from a previously published work. A- anyway, this um this particular uh version of sep- this cover of September was performed on a kodo, a bass, and just some pers- uh some traditional percussion instruments, western style percussion instruments. And I think we can agree it was it was pretty good. 
Even mm-hmm. the um, even one of the co-writers of September, if you look on the look on YouTube here, um, she she loved it. I think her name was Allie Willis. Uh, she loved it, uh, and she actually said as much uh, in the YouTube comments. But probably one little um, one little nugget in all of that is the guy who played the Kodo. Uh, you remembered his name, right? Shin. Ichikawa? Ichikawa, yeah. Yes. That sounds right. Who, um, and we're not going to question his talent. He's, way, he's really good at this. He was really good on that Kodo, but it was what, what he was dressed in. Yeah, no. It was every, like once you finally try, it's like, oh, now oh, I, I understand. It's yes, like, I yeah, now it. I see it because and, and, you're so focused on the music and the interpretation that I feel sometimes. So sometimes it's like, oh, it just goes over your head. Which was, which was like, uh, but the problem, the funny part was, it wasn't lost on many YouTube um, commenters uh, that he was dressed up like Spike Spe- Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop, mm-hmm. and everyone just said, yeah, Spike lives and he plays the Godo. I thought it was a it was a great video and it was a perfect uh, intro for what will probably be our only recording in September. It's been two months, so uh, good evening from the Six Point Studio in the West End of Etobicoke. Mike Nicholas with you, and uh, James Austin is with me tonight. And it's only James Austin. Like, like here's the deal: we tried to get an episode together. To do an episode tonight, but just like, you know, everything else that's delayed the anime roundtable for the past decade, life got in the way. (laughs) No, of course. It's like, and then uh, you just got to make something happen. And I knew uh, we wanted to try and get something out. So I said to Mike, you know what? It's time to get a fireside chat going and we'll make something happen. Yeah. So (laughs) that's basically like... Here's the deal. Uh, nobody, uh, aside from James, nobody was available. And, and, and there's no, no real issue with it. Uh, life happens. I mean, whether it's work or uh, family commitments, personal commitments, um, just other stuff already scheduled, plain and simple, or, it, or my person, or, even, or an ocean in between, as, a, as is the case with old Muhammad, mm-hmm. or uh, my personal favorite, dental surgery. Take a guess who, who had that. Get better soon, dude. Our good friend, right? Yeah, Neil. <laughs> Neil. Neil um, we'll, we'll check in on Neil, on Neil and see if he's still alive next month. Uh, he 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 actually asks us to to periodically check on check in on him for that purpose specifically. I uh, hope he gets better soon. So um, it's just James and I just sitting here again, just like we were back in February when we came back. And I guess this is something we'll call we'll bring back. Um, we're going to bring back the digest for one night, I, su- I suppose. This is just a digest. Yep. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. Uh, here's the other deal for the for what we're going to do for the next little bit. Um, admittedly, lots of stuff has happened over the past two months since um, we were since uh, myself, uh, Mohammed, Mohammed, and Neil were here. And um, I know a lot of people are, are asking about, want to talk about that, talk about that. The others want to talk about Neil and Muhammad's appearance. And uh, maybe we will just briefly here. And then I also wanted to talk a little bit about stuff that had gotten our attention. And mm-hmm. chances are we'll talk about them further in future episodes. But for now, basically this digest, digest number one of the Six Talk era. 
There you go. <laughs> There's your episode numbering for uh, tonight. Um, basically, this is just a bullets episode. Things mm-hmm. that caught our attention, which things uh, which. As the phrase as we phrase goes, when we always do a bullet segment, these are small things which may become li- bigger things, and uh, probably take up too much time than they should. So that's basically what we're gonna do tonight. Uh, do for the next little bit, just things that caught our attention, and chances are we'll elaborate on them a little bit here, but certain and more than likely talk about them more at length in future episodes when we when everyone is available to do the do a to come come around the microphones probably in into October, mm-hmm. right? So, um, well, where do we where do you want to start this time around? Like, if there's one little thing you want to start with, oh, well, I guess I, I'll ask you. Um, like, did you hear? Well, chances are you have too much of a life to have, have listened to the episode. But did you hear any of the episode uh, with Mohammed and? Um, uh, yes, I, I did. Uh, I was able to listen to it. As you said, it's been a while since uh, it was last on the air, so I was able to uh, take a listen, and it Just was very enlightening. Thought. Give me one or one or two thoughts that came out for you in that episode that you that mm-hmm. just. I think we talked about it. Um, before and it was something I think I we probably will continue to talk about about the change in the anime industry and streaming. It's the thing, the reach that it has now in Mohammed talking about being in the United Arab Emirates and seeing Tokyo Ghoul and all these other things at the convention. Like it's really spread. Now we do see it, like we've seen it before, of course, the Haruhi uh, thing in the Middle East, that picture and stuff like that. And I know you've talked about stories. I think one of Muhammad's stories from being in Egypt and uh, the Kenshin um, Kenshin poster, poster, I think it was in a gaming store in that. So it's not like it hasn't ever been there, but it just feels that it's just so much more exposed now, especially when you think about Crunchyroll. It's not just English speakers. They have Portuguese, Brazilian. They do have Arabic, so that's probably how they're reaching them there. Not every show, but they do have that French, Spanish, and so on and so forth. So it just impresses upon us like the light speed that this is taken for streaming services and stuff like that and bringing the content to the masses. Mm-hmm. Compared to how we were used to it, it's like, and even before, like, I got in just as the DVD era was coming in. Everyone thought that was revolutionary that you could watch your content, like the dub and the sub on the same disc for four episodes. You know what I mean? Right. And switch between them, which you didn't have in the VHS, of course. Right. And, and mind you, and the thing is constantly evolving and constantly hitting little speed bumps and question marks. Like there's, there's, there's all, it's going to be still fairly bumpy, the whole streaming thing, I think for a little while, or, mm-hmm. or at least a digital format, something without a, that doesn't mm-hmm. have a physical format. Yep. And then, as we said, it's like with them being in their own language and that how they're adapting it to their own culture, as Mohammed was talking about at that convention, especially, I think, with the one Tokyo Ghoul cosplay and stuff like that. You were impressed. Yeah, but no. it, was, it was an it was just an interesting insight. A lot of people mm-hmm. who, like or pe- the few people who have talked who have mentioned they've listened to the episode. And for all I know, it's might they might be everybody who's. All the people who have listened to the episode, both of them, that, that they mentioned as much that um, that that uh, Muhammad uh, that Muhammad Abdul Hadi left quite an impression mm-hmm. on people because it was the first time he ever like was on. But 
He's, mm-hmm. He has a long history with with no, like people. like you've talked about him uh, many a time, Mike. So mm-hmm. it was interesting to finally hear him uh, speak for himself and stuff like that. Well, so and it was a fresh voice, of course. It was a too. very fresh voice, and that's but, good for the audience, of course. Yes, but uh, he's this is a battle. Like mm-hmm. in many respects, uh, Muhammad uh, Muhammad is a very battle worn character because he lived through the Arab Spring in Egypt. Mm-hmm. So. Um, like the, like when the guy speaks in my in my mind, you listen to this guy because he's seen a lot, and, and it isn't just necessarily on the anime fandom side. It's just a lot, period, and mm-hmm. not, and a lot of it's kind of and he has a lot of harrowing stories uh, from that from that period from I think it was uh, like five six years uh, six, better part of six years ago now. Mm. So these are some really interesting stories. If you ever get a chance to, um, if we ever really have, if you ever talk to him on non-anime stuff, uh, but he is easily one of the more interesting people I think you'll meet uh, in the um, anime roundtable circle, right? And mm-hmm. within our anime roundtable circle. Well, not as if uh, Neil or Adam aren't interesting or <laughs> any of us have uh, have stories, but this guy got stories. So... Oh, and you had to mention one and one other thing. Um, that article you sent me about the uh, the brothel. Oh yes, well, we that, have to bring up the brothel. I I, just, I, I totally f- forgot about that, but I I had to send you that because of that conversation. It's like now you forgot that I probably talked about watching. Sorry, not watching, but listening to that episode, and that was another thing that was impressed upon me. That one little comment, the banter between you guys about Young Street and how it's being. I don't want. I don't want to say. I don't want to say gentrified. I just don't want to say gentrified. But vanilla, vanillaized, or whatever. Um, It's like in many ways, they're they're, it's very much. They're very similar things. It's like yeah. It's like one condo, two condo, three condo, and then as you said, it's like all these different franchises. It's like it doesn't have that oomph for the grit, as we would say. As uh, uh, Mm -hmm. that's sort of what they hinted at too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you met you sent me an interesting uh, like that that story went really quick, didn't it? Like from inception to death. First of all, give (laughs) in in a minute or less. Explain it. Um. Well, it was actually, I think, near uh, the Shepherd and Young Street area on Young Street. And they, I, I don't know where the building was. But anyway, it was um, these dolls, I guess, sex dolls. And there have been many. There's a Netflix uh, documentary on them and stuff like it's that. People life. that live with these dolls and their whole world and stuff like that. And I guess this business owner decided, well, we can make a business off that. And they have all these different rooms and they will let them go in with this doll and let them do, I guess, whatever uh, they want to do. And they sterilize the doll and sterilize uh, the place after they're done. And supposedly, I guess, the people that visit this place, they do not see any living being. And then they walk in and out. Now, I'm not sure if they see other patrons. Who knows? I'm not even sure if this place was open, but... I don't think it basic, did. Oh, I don't think it did. But. Yeah, they, it, I guess they were just going to, and they were doing the launch, as you said. But I guess once the word got out, uh, some people in the community weren't happy, and then uh, the local counselor wasn't happy, and they had to go digging in the laws to figure if this was zoned properly, and I and guess they figured... They found their out. Yeah, they found an own. I forget what it was, but it was some technicality. They were able to find to shut them down. But I think there was something else that this business owner like was running in that building. Like there was some masseuse parlor or something like that. So I think they're trying to shut down. But the other one, the interesting part was 
they were billing it as what the first um sex, sex doll, doll parlor brothel. in yeah. or brothel in North America. And it's just thinking to ourselves, really, is this the first we want for Toronto? This is, and then the be, other is this, and the, and the, re- is this really something and then to be the proud other of, thing, right? The other thing I think about was in the Vice article, and it was near the end, and one of the features was free parking. And I'm just thinking, I just couldn't help but laugh. Free parking is a feature, but you think about going downtown and paying, and it's like, yeah, I guess that's a feature, but I still can't help but laugh about free parking. Yeah, yeah free parking in oh. the rear. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> oh, you. Okay. Oh, man. I, 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 we're going to get emails on this one, if anyone's listening. Oh. Well... I mean, those are the. I know those were the two takeaways you had from it. It's good so, to light up the phones, Mike. Don't yeah, worry. But no, I, I I thought it was an interesting one that uh, Neil and uh, you might have a little fun banter on. Oh, I get the feeling since, yeah, since when, we when, were going to talk maybe the, a bit about Mohammed, that it just kind of resonated I, there. It's like I'm like, oh, we can maybe use this later well, on. Is yeah, young Mohammed like uh, like young Mohammed or like. Uh, like Shamarki, I know will want will wants to talk about that a little bit more, and I know Kevin mm-hmm. does too. Mm-hmm. So as I said, we'll save we'll save a longer conversation about you know about Neil about about Muhammad Abdul Hadi yeah. Hadi's appearance um, in the future, mm-hmm. probably next month. So there's a I want to add, but I want to at least as I said, this is just start to touch on that a little bit because mm-hmm. I know that there's a little bit of talk about like amongst us about about Muhammad's uh, appearance on the show and. Mm-hmm. Like, as I said, that was just done last second. So I was glad to do that. Yeah, no, it was great that you guys were able to get together and have a meaningful conversation. Mm-hmm. And it seems like people enjoyed it. So that's always good. Okay. All right. So let's just quickly moving on. So as I said, lots of things we missed in the last two months. A few a few little developments. Um, I know that in a, a, a rather significant... Uh, Manga artist, and this just came to mind. I, I mean, we none of us were, ta- neither of us were brought it up during the post, the pre-show, but there was a uh, fairly. I'm just going to look it up now. Um, there was a fairly, uh, yeah, Chibi Maruko Chan. The, I, I just want to bring this up quickly because I know this was a rather significant. Um, significant uh, moment uh, a few like last month almost a month ago today um momoko sakura who is a well-known manga artist um she she was the uh creator of chibi maruko chan which was a which was like a really really popular uh popular title back uh, back home we probably didn't know about it as much here but we but a lot of the images are very familiar images if you ever see this she passed away rather she passed away after um what is this she passed away of breast cancer that hits home that hits close to home because um i've had a victim i've had a victim of it in my family she died of breast cancer on august 15th at the age of 53 i want to bring this one up just quickly um because um because uh, Mar- Maruko Chan will be en- will, has ended with her death, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was a, a continual few- serialization. There's a few of them, and it's like they have that continual serialization, and of course, uh, serialization of the TV shows. Because I think that one probably was on TV too. Yeah, so and a staple, as you would say, right? it is, she is a staple in, uh, in Japan. In Japan, yeah. so that's um, mm-hmm. yeah, as I said, that's that ended. Uh, Rather, um, the 16th volume 
uh, let's just see. I'm just looking at the at some of these notes now, just uh, online, because it, it only just came to mind literally just now. But uh, we it, we'd be remiss without mentioning it uh, if we didn't mention it. So, um, as I said, she was very much uh, like a state. Uh, this was very much she was very much a staple in in Japan. So this is it, it sucks to hear about this. Mm-hmm. And I thought let, let's let's just bring that up briefly. Um, okay, so let so let's just quickly move on. Uh, just quickly moving on just for a second here. I know that when we talked um, last week or a couple of uh, last week or the week before, we ended up talking at length about some of the releases uh, that were announced over the anime conventions. Yep. yep. It's it's a different world these days yes, where a lot, of, a lot of them you just find out with the new season because it's like, bam, it's already licensed. Mm-hmm. But then obviously there are still things that slip through the crack or older ones that weren't to available because of the anime crash last decade and some of those came back to light uh during the summer at uh anime expo and uh otakon like i know how to curie man is coming from main japan and that's uh noitamina one of the first ones from the last day that was great but then there was a big request many people had for discotech and they rescued tons of older series thank goodness and it was one uh, that's close to both of our hearts, Mike, um, Kimigori Orange Road. Yes, and, and we've uh, talked much about the manga, of course. But we talk, now we talk at length about it, period. I mean, throughout the mm-hmm. entire history of this show, uh, going back to 2006, we, we, we were always fans of it. I mean, I got many people um, hooked on the show mm-hmm. in my day. In my day, I think I, I introduced it to you many years ago, I think. Yeah, no, we kept I the train it. rolling and then on to my brother and then on yeah. to friends. It keeps I mean, it's I, a I, linked chain that we yeah, keep on going to many people. Right? I introduced it I introduced it to Angela. She loved it. She liked it mm-hmm. enough. Um, I introduced it to you. I, I mean, I reintroduced it to Neil. He had already known about it, but then we showed it at uh, the original television series at length. And it was announced. Discotech picked it up, picked up um, everything but the second movie. Yep. Uh, which was done like in the mid 90s. Yep. And that one was originally with ADV. Who mm-hmm. knows if they still have the license or it's lost. Or whatever. You know, it's, I mean, I, well, ADV's not around. I well, pres- no, they word. have some oh. license, but it's in one of their shell companies yes. because they have many shell companies now. It's like there's Sentai, oh, the there's Main Japan, and there's, but it's Air Seer or something like or that. Something but some like of that. them have come back to Sentai. Like just this month, we found out, um, actually, it was last month, just uh, the end of last month that uh, Princess Tutu is being uh, released on Blu-ray for the first time in December from Sentai. And And that one they released before under uh, ADV ADV Films under that other shell company. So they finally, the license, I guess, ran out. Now Sentai has it. And it's uh, first time on Blu-ray for that one. Yeah, going back to Chemical Orange Road, um, well, well, we we found out that, yes, Discotech picked it up. It's been remastered. It will It has been remastered or enhanced. Yep. Yes. It's it's been remastered and enhanced um, for Blu-ray, and uh, the the materials they're using. I believe it was uh, Justin Savakis said it on his Twitter that they're using the materials that was provided to Netflix Japan because it was Netflix Japan exclusive for streaming for Kimigori Orange Road uh, H, uh, the HD. Uh, Version. episodes yeah and for the tv series and for uh, the ova and the first movie and it's going to be released here sometime next uh, what? yeah next year and they give it an approximate date i mean nope they just said 2019 
they said two sets. So one set for the TV series. And then the second set is going to be the OVA episodes and the first movie together. Yeah. And I was, a f- and I'm enough of a fan that that's one show I probably would rebuy yeah. in Blu-ray. Yeah. And it's great that, as we said, they were able to remaster it. We've heard much about how on film, the older shows are a bit easier and better to bring out uh, in HD and stuff like that. So that's uh, great. They were able to do that and get the version Netflix uh, had there. So, and the fact that uh, it's also those materials, like as uh, I talked to you about before, but they've been changing over away from uh, DVD for a lot of companies. And so uh, Discotech started and they've had a lot of releases with, they brand on Blu-ray, but it's the SD Blu-ray and stuff like that. So it's great that it's, in 1080p or whatever it is, HD, and not uh, just the SD uh, episodes and stuff like that, yeah, which I'll is be, great. I'll be curious. Because uh, another favorite actually coming out this month from them, ironically, but unfortunately it's just SD Blu-ray that they're bringing out, is the uh, Marmalade Boy, and they're doing it all yes. on one Blu-ray set SD. And supposedly it's like, what, two Blu-rays because it's SD content, like it's nothing. Just bo- bottom size. line, do you feel it's worth it? I think uh, for that one, I think for both Marley Boy and the other one, it's worth it for both of them. For the other thing, for Kimigori Orange Road, I talked to you a bit before I saw some uh, images showing uh, the Anime Ego DVDs and then the new Netflix uh, HD materials and showing the different scenes. And it's night and day. It looks bloody incredible so so it's definitely worth the double dip if you already have the dvds from anime ego and we talked about it i heard from people that marmalade boy do you think marmalade boy would be worth it for like this is no for for, like a longtime fan like me this is no Mm -hmm. uh, kimmy orange road is a Mm no-brainer but uh, marmalade boy if you um, have it already i feel like for marmalade boy i might wait for a sale and then I would get it okay. then, and it would be a nice space saver, and it'd be nice to have it just on two discs instead of having to go through, you know, I mean, playing I think it was shuffle with or it. something. Yeah, because uh, yeah. it's I, I know I have it some. It's somewhere in our archives, but uh, yeah. But no, it was interesting. Core, what we were talking about, the image quality, like the jump is incredible, especially from uh, Anime Ego, and it was interesting. I didn't even realize that. They didn't even release the release in DVD in Japan till I think like 2007. So basically, those old Anime Ego ones, I guess they said they must have got the materials from the Laserdisc or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess because when we were watching them, Mike, we were watching them on our old tube TVs and stuff like that. We didn't notice some of the things you now notice on your flat screen uh, HD TVs. You know what I mean? So it's interesting how it looks like. You see it and it's like, wow, the jump is big. But in my mind, I didn't notice that. And I don't think you would have noticed it either in your mind until you see it on the screen. Hmm, okay. Because it really nicely Sometimes pops it's part up. of the charm, sometimes it's not. Yeah, right? no. But like, I think they did a great job. And I think both of us are really going to enjoy it. We already enjoy the show anyway, but I think we're still going to enjoy plop it. Down, plop down a couple hundred. Sets, well, right? no, I don't think it's going to be that much. Like, they'll be the two sets, but they always do very nicely priced on all their sets. Okay. For uh, discotheque. Like, that's the great thing. Even the newer series they've gotten from when the bubble burst, like, what was it? It was like, I got Library War on Blu-ray for $25 on sale, and that was American. And then I think the actual price retail is supposed to be like, 
$45 and that's for a 12 episode series and stuff like that from way back then. Like it's, yeah, it's sub only, but it's crazy how low the prices are and how low they go, especially for some of the older titles and stuff like that. They're around that, around the, I think it'll be for each set around 50 to a hundred dollars each. And that's still nice. Probably not that much, but it's, it's like you think about you collecting in the singles, remember, like four episodes of discs and stuff like that. Thirty bucks, and $30 yeah, it was thirty dollars each. Like, take. like it's like insanely more expensive buying it back then than it is now. It's just so, crazy. Yeah, so let's stop complaining. Stop whining, right? Yeah, no, no. It's it's going to be a good price for everyone, like all the other series. So it's great. Yeah. So something for the two of us to look forward to. On that note. Um, I, and as I said, this is like on the note of Kimigori Orange Road, let's go back to digital manga. Because mm-hmm. um, we also hinted back in February that, yeah, a few years ago, um, they did a Kickstarter for the manga series for Kimigori Orange Road. And that's been long delayed in many respects. We've talked at length about it. Best I could pull out right now for myself right now is, and because I've I actually that was my love, my um donation tier or whatever uh backing mm-hmm. tier. I got I decided to get both ver- two versions of it. One on a one uh an ebook version and then the actual an actual physical copy version. Mm-hmm. The physical copies I've I we have yet to receive. There there's been surveys surveys have been sent out over the last couple months to um finally get them out ship them out to all the backers uh, who have been waited the better part of 2 years for this two and a half years probably for this yeah they I, still have three kickstarters outstanding that one that's Kichimi no Jiken mm-hmm. and supposedly some of their digital volumes of that are finally coming out and I guess I they're the digi- going to yeah. I, got the digi- well. I got the digital version of Kimigo Orange Road about a year ago this month yeah I so. think they had less to work on because they had like what was it that they they had yeah, because the they, digital manga guild thing where it was kind of rough translations and stuff yeah, like they, that they so had I think must have they yeah, had they must like, have started from there they had a, and then they worked that, from there yeah, with a better those, translation yeah they essentially mm-hmm. they just redid the uh, redid what they had previously released mm-hmm. with that in terms of the ebook basically tighter trans uh, got the like more more um, tighter with the translation and mm-hmm. then that we got that and I've had that sitting you know in files uh, sitting on my um sitting on my uh iPad for a little while now I've, I just just like everything else I just don't give myself the time to to really read it but it's, I've mm-hmm. long had that but mm-hmm. um knowing that knowing that um knowing that there's now a light at the end of a tunnel and I'm one and I was one of the last tiers to get their surveys um now at least we can say there's a light at the end of the tunnel there but what's a little bit more interesting for me or uh, for me myself personally redundant here is um the shipping option because uh if i was will, will if i want to pay for shipping to canada that would have been a 60 dollar difference so i opted to do shipping to the u.s who would i ship it to i decided to ship it to some relatives in the states who um like in the uh in the in the boston area Mm-hmm. And so and there was a shipping charge, though, right? Even if you ship within the U.S., so I what think was the difference? I, as I said, it's at least sixty. I think it's sixty. I think it, I'll double check it, but I don't think there was. So the reason why I ask, Mike, is like when the big Kickstarters uh, were going and all that, a lot of them were just doing free shipping for the U.S. and stuff like that. And I think that's and, what uh, was and the story that here. changed over time. Where instead, what happens is 
you just select your country, right? Yeah. And then it says, okay, this country pays this much for shipping. This country pays for this much. So a lot of them don't factor shipping into their Kickstarter goals anymore. It's like a separate charge that the people in the States now see. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you had me thinking about it. So let's, let me quickly look, let's quickly look it up. And uh, if you're listening, you probably are hearing the click of a keyboard. But um, well, let's look at the, look this up. Well, I guess, I guess I shouldn't have brought that up. It's like we're doing a little uh, dance here. Yep, we are. <laughs> the shipping charge was nil. Okay. At the time, yeah, because this was free shipping. I think this was like no extra charge for shipping in the in the domestic U.S. Yeah, there are some that still do that, but yeah, a lot of them have just been doing their tiers, right? And mm-hmm. then they have the shipping on top because I've noticed that with some I've done. Like, I had a recent one that was from Front Wing, and they were doing yeah. Uh, so, but this we were talking about mm-hmm. something two years ago. So, and um, so I'll have it sent to some to relatives in the states, and uh, hopefully, and. We always joke around. Well, when are we going to meet up again? When are we? When am I visiting there? Or when is he? Uh, when is my my rel- when is my cousin visiting back up here? Well, this will um not that we really need an excuse, but this will give as us we, a better excuse. As we started out and keep on time, it's like Kimagora Orange Road seems to bring people together, right? <laughs> well, there's. I mean, we brought up this story. I brought up this story years ago um, when we when um when my. Uh, like and there's a there's a sentimental reason. I mean, uh, ten years ago, eleven years ago, we talked. I talked a little bit about. Remember, in one of final insult, I talked about uh, my late cousin who passed mm-hmm. away, mm-hmm. who passed away, and uh, he uh, he was never really an anime fan, but he actually knew. I actually told him the the Kimigori Orange Road story, and he was curious about that. Out of all the things, he was somewhat curious about this one. So there, so the so Kimigori Orange Road holds a lot of um, a lot of sentimental value. Uh, to me in many respects in terms of my own fandom and including and even within my own family mm-hmm. uh, because I introduced that show to a lot of my family too mm-hmm. so um yeah it's- and I, I and when I told the title to my cu- to my cousin he quickly uh, to my to this to my cousin here he quickly um you know it, it quickly I'm pretty sure it uh, brought some a few memories back uh, too oh, okay. so um I told him I, I told him when you uh, show this to your um to your, uh, to your uh, girlfriend, let's say uh, I, I, girlfriend or common law wife, um, you know you can tell Chucky's story. I told him that you can tell our cousin's story mm. about this one when you when when the when it finally arrives. So as I said, there's some sentimental value with it, uh, uh, and I'll let you know uh, when when we get it, and maybe we'll do a quick overview or review. I'll do a quick review of that in a future in a future recording. Let's. You know. Okay, so uh, I think we're done with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Shall we move on? Yeah, we should. We should. On we're, we're, probably, we're probably definitely over time, aren't we? Uh, yeah, thirty-four minutes, I think. Yeah, and we're and we were gunning for an hour, Mike. We're not gonna make it. <laughs> we're never gonna make more. it. We're going for fifty hours or something. Uh, probably be more like fifty hours. No, <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, well, let's. As I said, we're talking about stuff we want to talk about a little more in the future. So, mm-hmm. the other thing you brought up to me is um, you brought up something about like Michael Mike Tool. Yeah, and it, he does. Um, he well, still everyone does, knows who Mike Tool is. Yeah, he still everyone does articles who. on um, and of course Anime News Network. He does uh, 
the Mike Tool show, which is a dub column. He writes infrequently here and there. Like usually it's about once a month. But he also actually yeah, that's, ironic, more, that's more frequently ironic, than we do a show, by the way. Ironically, he also um as a producer, he freelances for Discotech. Like there's a lot of extras he does for them, like um he writes some liner notes for mm-hmm. some of the things. He also does some audio um, commentary on some of the episodes and some of the things. And he's always been very insightful on all the older stuff. And then in this article he did recently for August, and it's August this year, 2018, he talks about uh, Canada's anime uh, history and dubbing. Mainly and in it's Vancouver. a long history. May- a lot of it in Vancouver, a lot yep. of it out west. Yeah, they were the ones who took uh, great advantage of our uh, dollar being lower, especially uh, in the late 90s and stuff like that. And they also talk about the technology. They put in all this investment in technology and the old WordFit uh, program that which, we always is, saw all the time. That, which, which was uh, loved and hated for, yeah. for the same reasons. For similar reasons, there was loved and hated. Mm-hmm. But um, Yeah, it, it, the WordFit in a digest is, if you don't know, is... They were able to take the script and instead of like, sometimes you have to ad lib and stuff like that to match the flaps, right? Well, the word fit basically would fit the script into the flaps, basically. Mm-hmm. That was the... And, 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 and the results sometimes were really funny. Yeah, no, it could uh, do some interesting things. But I guess the thing that brought about the article he said was it was um, the Blackjack anime... And they, it was one that's on Crunchyroll. They don't have all the episodes. I actually have two of the DVDs from, it wasn't on Kickstarter, but it was Anime Souls, if you remember that. That was a Kickstarter type anime thing where they got enough money oh, and then they would, produ- yeah, they would produce the DVDs of said shows. And it was from different uh, publishers in Japan. And so uh, supposedly on Amazon, uh, it just popped up these dubbed episodes of this blackjack uh, television series. And uh, supposedly it was done in Vancouver, uh, but, and it wasn't by ocean. It was by, done by another outfit, but supposedly it was a few years ago because some of the actors on Twitter uh, mentioned that they were in it. Cool. So it's yeah, no, interesting it, how those things I, I work mean, out. But as you said, we all remember uh, ocean studios in Vancouver, and they also had their offshoot in uh, Calgary uh, blue water studios and, most people seem to remember them from uh, the Mega Man games, from the terrible uh, Mega Man dubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor Riley. I think I came across people who uh, did did work uh, work there as well. Not necessarily dub work, just producer mm-hmm. work. But um, that's another story altogether, I suppose. And then I guess uh, that's another story. Many people remember here in Canada, of course, it was for Blue Water, uh, the Dragon Ball Z uh, Canadian dub. That's always fresh in our minds. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Vancouver, it's like many people like. All over, remember the Black Lagoon dub, that's a favorite, and the Deaf Note dub, that's a favorite. But I think the one for us that a few people of my generation would remember is Gundam Wing. That was the one that sent Gundam like skyrocketing, I feel, in in North America, you know, in English fandom. And they helped uh, bring that about. And that's part of the legend. Mm -hmm. Hence, since the crux of his article. I, I, I admit I've only skimmed through it. He talks about other ones like Mizunu Kaku is yeah. another one that uh, but how, we both love, and that one was there, and that one was a long journey, of course, as both of us know. Mm-hmm. And how I think it, how um, some of the cast changed 
Over yep, time, because right? one of them went to star on Monk. Because, of course, uh, Vancouver, Toronto, we have a burgeoning film scene. So they probably did some work there and got legs under them and uh, yeah. found another role. I mean, we're taping this just as we reach the uh, end of TIFF here, the Toronto International Film Festival. This is the final weekend of the, of TIFF. So, yeah, th- this is a thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, it, it, as I said, I've only skimmed through it. And I wonder how much of this, like, like, um, ter- uh, Jesse Betteridge, um, Jesse Betteridge is a, is an old friend of, um, is a friend of his. He's a friend mm-hmm. of, um, we talk, I've talked with him numer- a handful of times. Uh, so yeah, he's a very knowledgeable person. He's a very knowledgeable and, character and without he, a doubt, without a doubt, he knows like, be, uh, like he knows his stuff. Yeah, Make he, no mistake about that. He definitely documented the history of bionics on YTV as it was going on and stuff like that. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. talk about anime doves in Canada and stuff like that and them airing on TV and stuff like that because it was important to get some of those dubs in Vancouver because YTV was able to say Canadian content. And we may question whether that's true because it's just the voices they're doing, right? Most of all the actual other content was never done in Canada at all, but somehow that qualifies as CanCon for the TV stations and I'll accept it. I'll accept it. Yeah, so there's... so. I, I mean, um, I mean, Jesse, Jesse Betteridge is a, is a very influential voice in terms of anime in relation to Canada. He's been around for years. Mm-hmm. The so. other thing he talked about, which is another important one, is CRTC and stuff like that, talking to people and educating them on the CRTC, because that we talked about CanCon, that's an important component of the CRTC and talking to people about you can talk to the CRTC. They do public consultations and stuff like that if you want certain things for networks and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, what gets done? Mm-hmm. Well, or maybe allows networks to maybe show other anime because they can't show it because obviously they're dubbed elsewhere, right? Right. But as I said, uh, and, and of course, uh, of course, Mike Tool was here at, at, at Anime North back in May as well. Yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's been here Probably. Almost yearly for the last few years. Like they seem to, he seems to enjoy it here and mm-hmm. he's close by because I think he's Boston based. Yes, so. he is. Uh, so a uh, big soccer fan. We, we yeah, no, no, we before. were talking about that. We uh, said if we could get him on, it'd be fun. And it we could maybe fun. talk a little soccer. We're more because likely to talk soccer than Toronto TFC he, and Toronto the FC uh, New England the world, Revolution. And yeah. the World Cup and all that stuff. And, and for reference, I know Tool picked Germany. So don't feel bad. about how England did, okay? Actually, to tell you the honest truth, I'm actually very pleased with how it turned out because it's the youngest team they've put on the field. And they they weren't really thinking they would go anywhere. So it all worked out. It would have been nice to get the bronze, but we couldn't do that. They flopped again against Belgium. But yeah, what can you do? But hopefully if they can get this group moving and keep them moving forward and getting better then maybe next time we'll have a better shot, right? Right. But you never know. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> but as I said, we've, like, I mean, I've met, I, I briefly talked with Mike Tool at Anime North just before Anime Hell, uh, just before um, Dave Merrill did the Anime Hell show, and we had a nice uh, quick conversation before I, we went, yeah. I went off to uh, prepare for... Um, Mm-hmm. The return of to, for the roundtable's return yeah. later that night, and I was there. Um, I've actually went to each time he does it. It's like every Sunday end of Anime North. It's and he does it at other cons too. Is um, dubs, dubs that time, time that time forgot? Yeah, and he he has some that he'll 
always show, but he peppers in a lot of new stuff. And it's just incredible the amount of stuff he's able to find or that people find and then send to him. And then he's able to like even, show it to the masses and educate us. And oh, yeah. And even he finds out to, the story behind it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just what he does. Mm-hmm. So I, I give him a lot of credit. Nice, a really cool guy to talk to. Um, yeah, as I said, in our wildest dreams, we hope to have him on this show, this little dinky little show. But we'll talk. We'll figure it. We'll, but uh, hey, work in progress, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, let me take a longer read, a, a deep read. Uh, into of this of this particular article and then yeah maybe we'll i felt talk at like length. this one was one that we could talk about at any time and stuff like that mm-hmm. i think it's a timeless one that we can definitely come back to so okay so moving on in the oh let's say 15 minutes we have left we're not gonna make it we're not gonna <laughs> make it <laughs> I, I love how we're having a race to the finish <laughs> uh, yeah so well let's see um one of the, I, I guess one of the things I wish we could have t- I, I did we could have done over the summer. Lots of interesting stuff does happen in in the Toronto area that may appe- that would appeal have some appeal to anime fans here, and we didn't really mention it. Mm-hmm. So in August there was the Anime Matsuri, an anime festival of sorts at um, the JCCC, uh, mm-hmm. a summer festival of sorts. Um, neither of us went to that, so. Mm-hmm. Let's not say much about it. I can't. Yep. We can't but but we, but at the very least, like like we could, we should have even just done a community calendar of some sort, right? Um, there was the um, July twenty first. There was the Kingdom Hearts concert. Mm-hmm. Um, this was this is like on the heels of like a thing these days about a, a thing these days about um, you know symphony symphony concerts for various things. The video games, yes, like like the Final Fantasy mm-hmm. concert, like uh, dear like dear friends, and it like, gets people in the seats, and, and it gets Hatsune, them uh, jobs for the symphony, and it yeah, reinvigorates yeah. it. That's mm-hmm. like, why they like it. Miku Hatsune concert a couple mm-hmm. about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's a I know that there's going to be a Game of Thrones concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at the uh, at the formerly named. At the newly renamed Scotiabank Arena, the uh, former Air Canada Centre. Yeah, that's going to take a while to re-remember that. Just like how I keep, when we go to baseball games, I keep on saying Skydome. I'm never going to stop saying Skydome. Yeah. You can't make me. We have to call it that. Well, I mean, that's what it is now. Uh, I I mean, I was talking to um, somebody. uh, I was talking to uh, a friend at work who is helping organize uh, like a a watch party for this. And she told me that... Um, as much as she likes the idea of like we get the whole idea of going to a big venue like a hockey arena, mm-hmm. like 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 a like a Scotia Bank Arena, um, this is the type of concert that maybe would have been a better fit in a more intimate venue. In an intimate venue, yeah, no, like, I could, I could definitely see that that would be better in a more intimate venue. It's kind of like, funny that you say like obviously they went for the bigger venue because Game of Thrones is its own vehicle so to speak and has quite the fandom and it hit the mainstream of course and it's kind of different from the video game uh, symphonies which probably have only a set number of people going to them even though i'm impressed they keep on filling up uh, sony center all the time yeah so there's those yeah and then sony center seems to be the hub these days Mm -hmm. for these type of concerts i mean i mean i saw the uh, final fantasy concert there the 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 um vocaloid concert was there Mm mm-hmm um, the Kingdom Hearts concert was there, so list goes on and on for the type of mm-hmm. stuff that that place shows. I mean, I'll be going there next week for uh, for uh, for a comic uh, for a comedian. So um, that's another story altogether. But 
it, I, I mean, my sister is a big, big, uh, big Kingdom Hearts fan. That's why I knew about the concert. She, she got. She's hit. getting herself hyped up for Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts, Hearts three, three yep. uh, next year, and I it's figured. it's finally coming, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as many people have been telling me. Mm-hmm. It's like so. There's that. Um, the other one worth mentioning, um, the Japan Fest, the weekend, the uh, weekend before. Um, the last full weekend of August, which took place in Mississauga. Yeah, it's like we're either at a cottage or we're somewhere else, but I have to get to that. And I'm sure it probably is quite incredible in Mississauga it since it's in city center. Yeah, and it's, it's in, they've thing. made an event spot in city center, which they didn't used to have because you can't even of, drive yeah, in, past the city hall between the library and that. Yeah, like they put AstroTurf in that. So it's now... Like it used to be nothing space. happened there, and now it's uh, an event space vibrant. that they seem to be making use of. Good use of the the, the Japan festival. Uh, the um, Japan festival that they have there is a. This is was its third year, and a little bit of context to, to this. I mean, people say, "Why Mississauga, out of all places, for this type of event?" Mm-hmm. And it comes back to one little fact that for more than thirty five years, I think it's more than thirty five years. Yeah, it's it. Korea, Japan. Korea, Japan. The, um, the, uh, mm-hmm. the a city in Aichi, in Aichi Prefecture, has been a sister city of Mississauga for all those years. We have, that's where our cherry blossoms are. We have a park that, that a Mississauga park, a there. Mississauga park, called and Korea I forget park. the actual amount of space, but supposedly it's incredible. Like it's not like thinking the space constraints they have in Japan. It's a large park. Yeah, for that. that's what we hear and about it. So. And it's like, I know Hazel went to uh, open it, so. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that park, I think, was done many times ago. And then we have, I, we have it's, a not, it's not, I don't want to call it a park, but it's this very intimate Japanese garden that's just a stone's throw away, just south of where uh, the Japan Fest happened. And it's very beautiful. The uh, Korea, gar- I'm not sure if they call it Co- Korea Park Korea or park, something, Korea something park, like yes. that. But it's it's walled off Japanese garden, and it's just beautiful to walk through. Very serene, very quiet, and and it's kind of weird to think because there's residences behind it, and then there's Sussex Center on the other side of it, and then you have Burnthorpe Road uh, looking over to Square One, of course. Yeah, so it's well, kind of interesting. It's a little serenity in the, the city. One thing worth noting about Korea Park is is that um, it has, it, there are cherry blossoms there, so there's, there's some mm-hmm. sakura there. Is, there. there is some. There. And when they do bloom in April, usually, mm-hmm. uh, like, like, yeah, it gets, it, gets its, uh, it gets people out there. On top of that, um, a lot of the uh, photo, a few photo shoots that take place, like cosplay photo shoots before Anime North are known to happen there around that time as well. Mm-hmm. So um, it's very picture. It's picturesque enough that you can do a fo- that type of thing there. And like Mississauga Park, I think that one's been there for years. Mm-hmm. I just remember being there for yep. years. It has been. It has as been. a part of the relationship between our two cities and stuff like that, and the different exchanges mm-hmm. we've done. Yeah, and and there's a regular, and I know there's a, there's been exchanges of students to and from. Mm-hmm. So. And I'm sure they do uh, some part of the events for the Japan Fest. I'm sure they would take advantage of Korea Park because it it really is. A great picturesque place. Well, I know it's tiny. I'm but not totally sure. They probably don't, but I, I, I feel like it would be an interesting use of that for it something. Would be at least uh, to allude to it, but I, I don't think anything directly related to it happens there. But obviously, mm-hmm. since it's, it's more at Celebration Square. Yeah, it's but more I, there. And for reference, Anime North had uh, had a one hour block of programming in the six mm-hmm. p.m. hour on Saturday there, mm-hmm. and I feel and I feel like it was show. like similar to. Um, 
traditional Japanese festivals that they have different stalls and stuff like that. So it would be very interesting to go. Yeah, and but see it's, it. it's in many respects, it's it's somewhat uh, like my only criticism is it does have a, a commercialized feel at times to it. Well, yeah, I guess you can't escape that when not, you're here. You know what I mean, Mike? It's yeah, like not obviously we'll never escape that, and that'll uh, be nope. a part of it, whether we agree with it or not. Right. But um, always, never like if you're in the area. These are always one of these if you're in the area type things. Always, always never a bad thing to go check these things out. My only regret is I wish I could have told you about it before they happened. Well, I think for about uh, both of uh, the Japan Fest in Mississauga, and then of course the one at the JCC, they've been happening for a while. So I think they'll definitely be there next year. Similar time, similar place. Right. So maybe next year will be our time, Mike. Maybe. Oh, did you do Fan Expo? No, I didn't. I haven't been there for a few years. I've like nothing just grabs me. It's like, as we were talking about commercialism, it's like that's one where it's like very, very commercial. Lots of people going through there and the prices are quite a bit different than what they used to be. So <laughs> they're a little higher because they got to get uh, the big stars in there. and the, Just the way the it pills, is now. Yeah. It's just the way it is. I mean, I, I, I don't go... It's just, anymore it's, myself. It's one of those of things. The if there was something that interested us, I'm sure we probably would have paid to get in there. Right. But there was nothing really that caught my attention. So I was like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Okay, so um, we're almost done. But uh, let's but let's end on a few other, on four little notes. Uh, I did want to end, end the digest just on four little recommendations. So let's, I just want to go through these very quickly and then we'll call it a, a recording and get this and go out and get a coffee because <laughs> I need one soon. Um, but uh, yeah, before we go tonight, uh, I want to bring up at least four little recommendations. And these, once again, just like everything else we've talked about, these are probably going to be longer discussions as we, you know, do our go about things in the future. So, you know, uh, just uh, indulge us for a few minutes. Uh, probably the better part of 10 more minutes. Let's <laughs> it, it, it's not going to go 10 minutes, let's face it. But uh, maybe worth uh, worth noting if you're a fan of these type of things. And some of, it's an- some of it is, rela- is anime-related, but I think, a, I think most anime, a lot of anime fans would take some interest in, the, in these four little items that, that I'll bring up. And I've already alluded them to you. Okay. Okay, so first, uh, first recommendation is just a simple, another music recommendation. So um, back in May, I saw this music video from a J-pop band, J-pop group called Bish, B-I-S-H, all stylized uh, capital letters. And it was a music video called Life is Beautiful. And I will tell you right now, within the first couple seconds of this video, you're going to know how it's going to end. And it might put you into tears. It was, a good, it was a good music video. I wanted to learn a little bit more about them. But I also saw it at probably the worst possible moments back in May. Um, or is it June? I think you said May. May so or June May. or something like that. Because I just because it was the same time as a memorial service for a um, good family friend of ours who had passed away of, uh, of, terminal can- of a terminal form of stomach cancer. We had just come back from the... It was the same weekend as that memorial. And then I saw... And like he had married his high school girlfriend and they had their kids and and then i see this video and i just thought oh god this was the worst thing to see after coming from that Mm. after coming from the memorial service um earlier that day so but it was a good video so there's a personal recommendation uh 
We'll put the links. We'll put a link on our Twitter on the either the Twitter on the Twitter feed if anybody wants those links. It also tests uh, who's listening to the show. We'll put it on, uh, we'll, and we'll try and update the Facebook and um, Facebook and the actual website. I'll pr- try and do take some time to actually do that. So there's one recommendation. Second recommendation is the voice of an old friend of ours, and uh, Angela. We haven't heard from her in a lot, very long time. But um, she's still very much out there. Angela O'Hara, um, as, we, as she is called, uh, Angela O'Hara, as, we, as uh, we now call her, she appeared on a podcast called Polygamer back in August, about a month, almost a month ago too. She appeared on the Polygamer podcast, which is a podcast that was born out of the uh, Gamergate, I guess in, as part of the uh, Gamergate um, scandals. Mm-hmm. Right, because it was about because it's a it's a general podcast about inclusivity in video game in the video game world, mm-hmm. and she appeared in her capacity as a uh, art as a resident artist for Big Viking Games. That's her that because that's her uh, that's her day job. Um, it was interesting to hear her perspectives. Uh, mm-hmm. I just listened to this just before you got in, James. So um, some little stories, her stories about you know about about getting into the uh, getting into the business. Um, how to handle work-life balance. And Angela, if you're listening to this, um, I took your, uh, I really talk, uh, heard about, uh, took heart about your um, work-life balance parts of the uh, interview. And, you know, bits about burnout and of course, inclu- and of course the inclusivity issues. So it, it's a good listen. I put a link up. Once again, if you, anyone listens, but if you, but if I don't put it up, uh, www.polygamer.net and it's it's episode 80 uh, she appeared on this she appeared on it it's a good listen it sounds like the whole i the whole show itself the whole podcast itself is a very good listen so give it that give it a give it a listen if you if any of you get the chance on your uh, commutes to work or whichever means by which you li- or whichever means and time by which you listen to podcasts put this on your listen list um It'll be uh, nice to, and if, especially if you were a longtime listener of this show, um, it would be good to hear her per, what she's been up to for the almost better part of ten years since um, since we la- since the first era ended, since the comic den era ended. Mm-hmm. So you can give a listen to that one. It, it's a it's highly re- it's a highly recommended listen. So mm-hmm. I'll give you the link if you want it. What's <laughs> <laughs> up? Anyway, so that's a uh, recommendation number two. Um, Recommendation number three. This caught my attention in the last oh, forty-eight hours, and it was an inter. Uh, um, apparently, um, X Japan is about to release their first album in the better part of twenty years. X Japan is one of the historic J rock groups out there, right? I mean, they, I mean they they've probably perform they probably have songs w- which could be considered J Rock's version of like they performed they've performed a- a epic songs that could be considered J Rock's version of classics like like um, Stairway to Heaven or November Rain. They, they like I mean they like I mean their single obviously their single biggest contribution to anime was forever love which was part of the x soundtrack um in the 90s x movie soundtrack in the in the 90s for the clamp movie Mm -hmm. and um that was like an epic seven minute piece 
That's why I said uh, maybe their music, their some of their songs would probably be on the same level as something like November Rain or Stairway to Heaven. Um, so they, but they, but through a lot of little things, they haven't. Um, like they broke up. One of the members uh, committed suicide. But they got back together about um, ten years ago, and they're about to come out with their first studio album in twenty years, and. Their current, their leader Yoshiki, um, spoke about his, about you know hoping that maybe this time around they can become more popular, like gain something that they could never get, uh, that they've wanted to get for a long time, a little bit more popularity in the West. And they think, and in the in some recent interviews, and one of them is uh is on is posted on CTV on the CTV news website. Hmm. They he had hoped that maybe they can ride a little bit of a wave of some increased interest in Asian music these days, especially with uh, like K-pop band, K-pop groups like BTS kind of crushing it right now or gaining some notoriety, especially for their appearances at the winter Olympics or even the James Corden, uh, James Corden late, late show recently. Yeah. They've made a couple appearances on that. And they're on the right wave because Tokyo is getting ready and Japan's getting ready for the 2020 Olympics. So there's a lot of culture and a lot of things going towards that as well. So, yeah. And that's, you never an, know. yeah. And that's, an, I thought an, what he brought up was an interesting thought. And I think we can expand on that soon. Um, we don't, the thing is there, the, the interview was in the context of promoting like their next set of, I think, tour, uh, next set of tour dates and the upcoming album, which unfortunately at this point has no release date. <laughs> and I've asked around some friends who are big ex-Japan fans, one of them being Squirrely, actually. <laughs> and, and, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about this. Maybe we'll, and I think we're going to have a little longer conversation with people who are more, at least a little bit further into the know than any of us are combined. <laughs> so, and, and then, you know, sooner or later, and that could include a conversation with Squirrely themselves. We'll let you know. Um, since Squirrely is, is actually a big ex Japan fan. So, and they didn't know about this article. So I forwarded it to them and they found that kind of intriguing. So I, I, I think um, we'll learn a little bit more and maybe get some perspectives from them, from Squirrely, and maybe a, a few other fans in hopefully maybe in the future. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, that's an interesting thought. One, uh, but and and uh, to any anyone who really doesn't keep up, who really doesn't know, X Japan is considered one of the great J rock bands, uh, probably of all time. I think really. I, I think. I don't think you can really think of any other um, rock band from Japan that holds the type of status and the type of uh, lore that X Japan has. Maybe Lark on Ciel, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I, I think Lark on Ciel is as close as anyone got mm-hmm. to getting close to X Japan, but still not there. Not even yeah, not and close. I think not even close. Not even close. But they tried and got close. Okay, not yeah. So there's that. Last recommendation, and once again, I will put on my hat as a program monitor for um, NHK World Japan. So uh, this is a recommendation from from them, a recommendation from the NHK World web uh, website. A couple a couple weeks ago, there was this documentary about uh, 
about um, a kimono a kimono store uh, a kimono store owner who started a project. And this is on the topic of the Tokyo Olympics coming mm-hmm. up. Who started a project to make a kimono for the placard for the uh, kimonos for the placard um, for the placard girls that in the opening ceremony. His goal was to make a, a personal kimono for each of the placard girls for um, that will bring in the the help help escort in the two hundred some odd nations uh, participating at the Olympics. But there's a larger story behind it. It would be a each each and every woman would have would be wearing a personalized kimono based on the country that they would be they would be, you know, escorting in. And I thought that sounded like an ambitious project. And I think that by their estimates, they figured that it would be the equivalent. They were looking at soliciting donations and artisans to help design these kimonos and help fund these kimonos. And it was a project that they estimated could be the better part of four million U.S. dollars. To make to make all two hundred kimonos, so they told us it's called Kimono Revolution, and it's a documentary that will air that'll be on the NHK World website until um, September next year, until like uh, the first day of September next year. So it's a good watch. And in this story, they told the story, like the story about the problems facing the kimono industry, that it is very much in a downturn because one, it's a very expensive garment to have and to to have and maintain. And um, obviously, because it's such a complicating, you know, ornate garment that it's uh, kind um, that people probably wouldn't, it doesn't appeal to a lot of people anymore because of, for various reasons, price, maintenance, um, or being so ornate. So the industry has been in a horrible decline and it's to the point where the industry itself is worried about its mere survival and the idea of, of promoting the kimono for the Olympics for as part of this Olympic project was to help was an idea to help revitalize the industry just a, li- a little bit but how to go about it right it was the part of the question so within this documentary it told the story of three of those kimonos and three different ways that it, that the uh, kimono industry could revitalize itself those three kimonos were the kimonos that would be representing that would be representative of Canada Indonesia and Belarus, and each of those, each of the uh, kimono tells tells of tell told a very interesting story about you know very relevant ways that relevant um, points that the uh, industry could think about while uh, as it tries to modernize itself. In the um, in the Canada store, in the Canada story, it wasn't necessarily the kimono; it was the obi sash belt. It was the obi belt that went with it. That was the real story. And how um, how it took, uh, and they told the story about a traditional artisan who who's a master of making these belts, and how he had to push his limits to create a belt that would perfectly um, match that would perfectly match the uh, Canadian kimono, which, uh, uh, as you might expect, had a maple leaf motif on it. Right, mm-hmm. a good watch there. In the Indonesian story, um, we hear the story about how its artisan. How this? How it's an artisan who was a master of kyoyuzen, the um, di- a Kyoto-based dyeing technique that's common for uh, that's commonly used in high-end kimonos. How he had to, how he ended up incorporating some Indonesian techniques in the making of the Indonesian. How he, how he, how he had friends in Indonesia who incorporated some techniques, like um, who in- incorporated some specific Indonesian techniques into making that kimono, which was, I thought. 
another which I which was a really interesting story. And then in the Bella and then in the Belarus story, it just told about embracing youth and how the um, how the uh, planner of this project, the kimono store owner, enlisted the help of a of a young would be up and coming uh, up and coming designer to help design that one and how she had to go about her inspiration and how she found her inspiration in befriending a foreign exchange student from Belarus. Hmm. So I thought this was a, it, it was probably the single best, uh, best watch I've had in a while. So um, it's a high, uh, so it's a personal, re- that's a personal recommendation from me. If you get it, it's on the NHK world app. If you, if you have your uh, smart, uh, your um, tablets and smartphones, it's on their website, so um, and it'll be probably one of the easiest things to find on that web on the website or apps. So uh, there's a, a last recommendation. I don't need to give a link for that, do I? <laughs> do I? Anyway, well, we, we have talked many a times around NHK World, so I'm sure they can find it because uh, you've recommended many good programs from there. Well, have you watched anything from it? Like even just one thing. Yeah, no, I've watched some of the things uh, that you've recommended and stuff like that, but I don't keep up uh, like yourself, of course. It's yeah, like well, you know, I mean, I mean, there's so many things to do. I but, mean, I told you about the. I mean, we, we but every the so often thing. I'll pop on, especially if it's something you recommend, and I do agree. It's like the one thing I do need to look at is maybe the sumo would be interesting to. Oh, watch. Oh yeah, that's I right, feel. and the sumo, and there is a there is a basho going on, a major sumo a sumo uh, grant, a sumo tournament going on right now. So uh, uh, go on to it if you're a sports fan as well. <laughs> so uh, I, we sumo, stuck sumo, one more in there. <laughs> yeah, no, the sumo highlights are always a highlight for me to watch. No, because you I don't normally see that here in North America, and it's like, man, maybe I should actually get to that now that you mentioned again today. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, because I've watched the other programming, and it is fantastic. It's so. a lot of fun. As I said, it's a fun thing to watch. You know, if if you have nothing else to watch, it's a good stream. It's mm-hmm. a good stream. Easy to find. These all these things are easy to find. So these are all recommendations and. uh Maybe conversations for the future. No, of course. Mm-hmm. So I'll leave. So and oh, I, and uh, I know if Kevin, if Kevin's listening to this, uh, there's a recommendation for your um, because I because I know you're a bit uh, a little bit more into into the fashion stuff. There's a maybe a recommendation, and we've talked a bit about kimono about kimono designs in the past. Mm-hmm. We've made jokes about. Um, uh, I think one of the clamp artists wanting to get wanting to learn to design kimonos a little bit. And their uh, kimono book came out here uh, in English from mm-hmm. Dark Horse. They yeah. released that. So that's an interesting book, too, to give a read. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, there's our four rec- those are our four recommend- uh, well, my four recommendations. James really didn't know about these. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I should give any more uh, recommendations because I'm sure we're definitely over an hour by now, right? Well, almost an hour, roughly an hour ten now. So I guess we should end it now. Um, a, a quick thought. Uh, so that's our, that's what's on our mind, uh, in this digest, uh, in, in this little digest, just a kind of a preview upcoming, uh, what we, what's going to come up. Sorry, we apologize. I personally apologize for not getting anything out there for the last two months. We'll get this up. Uh, this is being recorded. I guess we should have said that at the beginning. This is being recorded on, uh, September 14th, 2018. We, we did hope- actually mention that at the very beginning. Oh, yes, I that's said right. That, remember? That's right. At the very beginning. <laughs> uh, our opening mic. Right, um. on the, on, in the cold open. So yep. we'll leave that thought. Um, well, let's leave it at that. And if you have any questions or comments, um, just drop us a line. Uh, at, our Twitter handle is at Anime Roundtable. 
I know there aren't many of you who, who've, who've uh, subscribed to it. So, but uh, if you at least uh, leave a comment or uh, look for the links for anything we've mentioned here and just give that a, give that a whirl. Um, and uh, animeroundtable at gmail.com is our email address. And uh, since, it's, uh, since we have to mention it, www.animeroundtable.com, that's our web- website, which should be updated. Really, we have to get, I have to get around to updating that. I do have some sense of life, I suppose, that I, can, I don't have time to do it. And um, sixtalk.com is, uh, is, the show, is the archive of the entire thing. Is our SoundCloud stream is our SoundCloud feed for the uh, archive of the entire entire thing. Hopefully, we'll get this episode up um, within 24 hours of the end of this recording. So uh, give it. So um, just uh, but yeah, get in contact with us here, and then hopefully we'll be back in October. Mm-hmm. And you know, is there anything else we should add before we get it going? Before we get co- get to coffee? I mean, Starbucks closes at in an hour. I think we've pretty much covered all our bases unless we want to keep on going for another hour. But no, no. I'm not sure uh, the people listening would enjoy that. <laughs> I don't think anyone I don't think anyone out there would appreciate it. So, give these uh, give these a th- uh, so um give it a, give all of these thoughts a try. Um some stuff to look up uh for the f- look out for in the future. And we'll talk to you uh let's face it, we're not going to be probably we're not likely to do a ma- anything major in September uh, anymore in September. Mm-hmm. Unless one of us comes out with a like a monologue on, on my mind recording mm-hmm. james <laughs> mohammed there Kevin, could be there could be one you never know mike jeffrey <laughs> neil well neil when he starts when he's able to talk again you'll hear from us soon in, in any event uh thanks for uh thanks for listening and uh, join us again soon, probably in October, for uh, for episode five of the Anime Roundtable, right here on the Six Talk Podcast Network. <laughs>